Welcome, welcome, welcome to Nodes in the Net, the weekly tangential irreverent conversation that caters to the interests of liminal trickster mystics like you. However, today uh, we are still continuing with our holiday hiatus, so keep checking back, please do. I really appreciate you listening to these ramblings of mine in the meantime, and please do let me know what you think of them uh, by leaving a comment on the Creek Masons blog, by hitting me up at my Creek Masons email, uh, which you can find at creekmasons.com, or by, uh, you know, just joining the Discord. Have you not joined the Discord yet? You're listening to these holiday hiatus episodes and you're not hanging out with your per, your own personal sangha of liminal trickster mystics over on the Creek Masons Discord? Why not? That's insane. Head to creekmasons.substack.com and hit that initiate yourself button and, you know, come join us for meditations, for lunar lunacy, creative coven, group projects, for all sorts of stuff. We're reading each other's essays, we're writing long takes on the Dharma straight from the minds of an experimenter who has firsthand knowledge of what it means to meditate frequently. Uh, that's probably you, right? I don't know. I'm not that person. Uh, but I, I do actually, I want to talk to you uh, today before I read this next essay, which is I'm a Creep uh, from the Creek Mason canonical pieces, which of course are pinned to the top of the Creek Mason Substack blog. So if you want to read along or read for yourself or go subscribe to the Substack blog, you can find that at Creek Mason's dot substack.com uh but this piece uh i'm a creep is about just my inability to ever really feel like i belong anywhere however i did have a very interesting experience in therapy the other day uh that i want to talk about and it was kind of a, a transcendent experience if i'm honest Uh, Before I get to it, let me just draw a quick tarot card to give some shape to the conversation. And I got the star. That is amazing. I love Poimandris, the Creek Mason Discord tarot bot, uh, which of course was programmed by artificial intelligence wizard uh, and hermeticist Barkley McClay, who uh, you can listen to on some past episodes. Uh, But the star is a card, you know, it's a naked lady kind of kneeling and pouring some water into a pool and some other water onto some uh, blooming, blooming, blossoming, uh, sprouting, some sprouting plants, uh, some fresh growth, some new growth that's probably growing as a result of the renewal that she's providing uh, with her uh, pour. Uh, with, although it may feel like wasted energy, it's actually energy that's going to support that small community of sprouts. The star is a card of spiritual renewal. It's a card of hope, faith, perseverance. You know, whenever it comes up, I think of also the tower, uh, which precedes it immediately in the major arcana. Uh, So the tower is a card of chaotic disruption and things falling apart and, you know, Babel falling from the sky and people diving out of it and lightning zapping it and just the overblown hubris, uh, you know, finding its bitter end. Uh, And then the star uh, comes immediately after it. And it is a card of like purity and innocence. It is a card, as I said, of rebirth. And so 
this was, I think, uh, a, like, a, I mean, it's the perfect card to draw for the story that I wanted to tell you anyway. Uh, so thanks, Tara, for cooperating. I appreciate it. Uh, so let me paint you a picture. I have just finished writing the uh, post to uh, both Wigglestick and to Lunar Lunacy uh, last month. Uh, and so I, I had published, you know, other people's writing. I had published my own little you know, uh, jaunty verse uh, describing some advice that I was giving someone uh, on the Wigglestick substack, uh, which of course is a daily tarot poem reading kind of situation. And uh, I'd been collaborating with JT all morning. Uh, we've kind of like been building each other up. We're in this like hype tornado where the hot front and the cold front are like mixing and creating a perfect storm of just like pure unadulterated uh, enthusiasm <laughs> and enjoyment of life. And and we're just like we're we're making like chat GPT you know prompts. We're creating all sorts of beautiful stuff. Uh, for the Creek Masons blog, you know, like logos and uh, just all sorts of stuff. Collaboration is happening. That's the point. And so I'm getting really pumped. And it comes time to uh, leave for therapy. And so I'm driving to therapy and thinking to myself that there's no way that I'm going to be able to come up with something coherent uh, to talk about over the course of therapy, which of course is like a, it's kind of a Western medicine tradition. Uh, so it's not necessarily entirely pertinent or appropriate to discuss the super high vibes that you're experiencing, or at least I, I sometimes feel that it's not. I mean, uh, isn't therapy a place where we should talk about the pragmatic necessities of existing in a consumerist culture? Isn't it a place where we should? Uh, figure out the ways to most effectively merge with the machine and, and become a contributing part of society? Uh, is it perhaps not the best place uh, to be talking about ideas that will potentially uh, see you jettisoned from society into the loony bin? Uh, you know, there's that famous story about Ramdas and his uh, brother, and, and Ramdas is, you know, in his white robes and his long beard and his beads and his, you know, whole Jesus persona and his brothers in a mental asylum or whatever. Duncan Trussell tells this story all the time. His brother's in a mental asylum and he says like Ramdas, you know, probably didn't call him that. He called him like Richard Alpert. Probably didn't call him by his last name since they're brothers. Maybe he called him Dick or something. Who knows? Uh, but he, he says, you know, brother, uh, what the hell are you doing out there? And I'm in here. We both think we're Jesus. And Ram Dass's answer was, well, you think you're the only Jesus. I think everybody is Jesus. And wow, what a beautiful message that is. And it's kind of, I mean, like it is, uh, you know, exactly what I felt concerned about approaching in therapy. So I was uh, driving there, uh, just full of energy, buzzing, vibrating, uh, just extremely in tune with the universe. I felt like I belonged in a way. You know, this essay that I'm about to read, I'm a Creep, is about not belonging. It's about feeling like an outsider no matter where you go. It's about feeling 
Like, uh, even in the Creek Masons, now that it's become a more reified thing, I sometimes feel myself pulled away from it by anxiety and paranoia, by the idea that no one could ever really like me, uh, which is probably has its roots partly in the fact that, uh, for many reasons, I don't like myself. And so... So I think that informed a lot of the energy that I was bringing to therapy this day. Uh, you know, so high vibe, belonging in truth, belonging with, you know, the collective, with JT and these other, you know, Creek Masons whose writing I had just published for Lunar Lunacy. I felt like I, I belonged with Source. I was feeling like a full body tickle cloud, as I've heard it called, <laughs> uh, you know, the sort of cute way to refer to like those jonic states that you get into through deep concentration. And I, I was just feeling like top of the world, you know, love and light only. And I guess I, I might've been scared, you know, when it comes down to it. And I, I like, I'm going to abridge this story almost entirely because this is kind of a long essay and I don't want to you know, have you listening to only my voice for too, too long. Um, but the story in therapy, it, like after rant after rant that I'm just like going off and, uh, you know, ear beating my, my therapist with and just like describing my deep understanding of how shadow work uh, functions and, you know, various spiritual concepts. I, I felt like I had a, a grasp on that I had uh, never really fully grokked before, but I was having this like experiential gnosis, this like, this grasping, this uh, belonging in the truth of the work and how to, uh, you know, improve myself and love myself and love all beings as a result. And so I took a step back and I realized, you know, like this is the kind of thing that gets someone put in the loony bin, like all of this hyper-religiosity. And that's actually, that's part of my diagnosis as a bipolar person. I, I have hyper-religiosity in my chart. Uh, so if my psychiatrist hears me talking about my hyper-religious fixations, uh, he might be a little bit concerned and might want to up my antipsychotic dose or something. Uh, but, you know, this is just not that kind of situation where like the correct course of action is to put me into the psych ward. I'm still, you know, I guess now I'm trying to explain this to you, dear listener. I did the same thing to my therapist, but I'm like, I'm still, you know, functioning at work. I'm still functioning in family. I'm still functioning as a member of society. Uh, but there is that piece of me that worries, am I Ramdas's brother? who believes that only he is Jesus, or am I Ramdas, who can exist as a part of society because he believes that everyone is of equal value to him? And so I'm explaining this to my therapist, and I'm saying like, oh, I've got these hyper-religious fixations, and it's a DSM thing, and the whole point of the DSM is to categorize and label people in order to treat them as sick, in order to you know, like limit, it's a, it's a textbook that like defines people. It, it extracts the infinite out of them and forces it into a neat little label that can be used to prescribe, you know, medicine. 
and that's really all it's good for. It doesn't it doesn't help with healing in any way. It just gives you some criteria under which you can uh, prescribe medicine. Uh, and by the way, I am still taking my medicine as prescribed. <laughs> I actually have a, a psychiatrist meeting soon. So I'm not going to be one of those people who's going to tell you to like get off your meds or whatever. I think it's an important part of life for many people. And uh, I'm one of them. And I appreciate that and, you know, appreciate the uh, effectiveness with which medicine allows me to navigate real life. Uh, so anyway, wow, I am I am really beating around the bush here. But the point is, I got through this long rant, and I took a breath, and I realized that I had just explained that I am afraid that I'm going to be seen as a guru. I realized that there's a part of me that does kind of want the accolades, the respect of being a guru that does believe, you know, all of that hyper-religious ranting that does believe that some Atman piece of me has a connection to truth and that my ideas could genuinely help people. Uh, there's a part of me that thinks that, like, maybe I should write all this stuff down in a book and maybe I should, uh, you know call that book be here now <laughs> you know part two or whatever you know like there's a part of me that like when i'm fully blissed out in these jhanic states that believes that i am uh something special and something that should be followed or or whatever i guess i don't know something that should be followed just isn't right when i looked at that part you know my therapist was so patient with me he, he it, like just went along for the ride with me and then when we got to this uh hang up about not being sure whether I was the kind of guru who wanted it for the reasons that you see the gurus talk about on shows on Netflix, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Netflix has all these great documentaries about cults. And you see these gurus in, in these cults who have their mojo and their charisma and their spiritual wisdom. And they, uh, you know, they, they get seduced by power or corrupted by it. Or maybe they were seeking it from stage one. Uh, but some piece of them, once they have the uh, authority over others, that's, that's what the, uh, the guy says in Twin Flames. He has an, a level of authority that no one has ever been granted before. And he's swollen with his own power. And he's amazed at his ability to share insights to a degree that gets other people to change their lives and he's drunk with his power. And I wondered to myself, could that be me? If I were to, you know, write down all of the random ideas that I have and organize them into a book and share that book, if I were to develop a podcast following that was big enough, if I was to develop a Substack following that was big enough, if the Creek Masons were to grow more serious and more, you know, concrete, would those things turn me into the kind of guru who subjugates others? Could I be corrupted? And of course, like it would be insane to say 
no, I know for sure that power would never corrupt me because, I mean, like if you put yourself in Elon Musk's place or whatever and you got all those billions of dollars and all the same neural wiring and all the same experiences and memories, of course you're going to do the same thing as Elon Musk. Uh, I mean, that's just the nature of, of free will. It's mitigated to some extent by the material circumstances we find ourselves in. And so... Uh, yes, uh, there's a causal chain that influences every one of our decisions, thoughts, and behaviors, and even emotions. And those things are, uh, you know, kind of thrust upon us and can be very easily manipulated by uh, the trappings of power. And so it's, you know, I guess it's something you always got to keep checking in on is the power getting too much is the power getting too much is the power getting too much and just push it away push it away push it away make sure that no one ever latches on to you that's what the reluctant gurus of metamodernism do like jessa reed and duncan trussell and douglas rushkoff they're just constantly uh pushing away the mantle of guru that their fans are trying to assign to them. And that is the way it must be. But I turned in this moment at the instruction of my therapist, I turned toward the energy that wanted to be a guru. I turned toward the energy that thought that it was special and that it had something to share, that it might be some kind of reincarnation of Jesus, not the first or the last or the only alive right now. Uh, but Jesus is a metaphor for all of us, for what is possible, <laughs> you know, Atman and Brahman, simultaneously God and the Son of God. Uh, that, that is basically uh, what we are. We are a node. We are the Son of God. And we are the net in sum. We are God itself. Uh, that's what the metaphor of Jesus, according to some people, like Paul Selig's guides, is originally intended to convey uh, the ability for self-actualization and, and, you know, Christ consciousness that's available to all of us through, uh, you know, whatever work, combination of work and, and receptivity and allowance and surrender and, uh, you know, just, just alchemy uh, that is necessary in order to achieve it. So I turned toward this self that had all these big ideas. It's kind of the same self that's been ranting at you for the last 20 minutes, a self that's kind of manic. It's got some pressured speech. It sounds a little crazy. It might be hard to follow. <laughs> and I'm very sorry for that. Uh, but I turned toward the self and I asked it, like, what do you want? Do you want to exploit? And all I felt when I stopped inwardly cringing away from the guru was an experience of utter and complete love for myself and for every living being. Uh, and I like, I mean, maybe this isn't a normal thing that people go through. Uh, maybe it's not something that uh, most people deal with who don't have a bipolar diagnosis or a messiah complex or whatever it is that, that makes me uh, sick in just this way. Um, maybe most people don't introspect enough to even confront the part of themselves that is uh, just like horribly shameful and shadowy uh, to confront. Uh, 
Uh, but that part of me that, that wanted to be a leader and share his special wiggle stick, <laughs> uh, it turned out uh, just loved everyone and just wants us all to realize the Christed solar consciousness of which we are capable. Uh, you know, on some level, it was enormal, enormously relieving uh, to realize that the deepest ambitions at the moment of my guru self, the self that belongs within truth, that belongs within source, that belongs within collective, the deepest truth of that belonging is just that I want everyone to reach the maximum expression available to them of their higher self. Yeah, I'm getting shivers having said it out loud. I don't know if anyone's going to listen to this. Uh, I don't know if I'm just a weirdo talking to the microphone by himself and getting a little bit too hyped up and telling a manic story that didn't make any sense. Um, but the declaration, the out loud assertion of the intention feels like something special regardless. It feels like a bit of a spell to just admit, not just to myself, but, you know, in a recorded way, uh, I really just do want people to do what they came here to do, whatever that is. Um, so if you, I mean, like, obviously now the, the uh, expectation, I guess, I have of, of all of you as Creek Masons, as listeners of Lo Nodes in the Net, um, or the hope, or the, um, the question, the request is the word I'm looking for. Jesus, the request I have of all of you now is to keep me honest and keep each other honest. And if there does appear to be some kind of like guru energy uh, building up on the Creek Mason server or in a community to which you belong, uh, pay attention to that. Keep an eye on it. Uh, and maybe call it out if you see reason to. If there is a, a community that you belong to where there are people who are subjugating one another, then you have a responsibility to that community and to yourself and to your fellow man uh, to ensure that you are doing what you can to uh, prevent people uh, from taking advantage of one another. The Creek Masons is not going to have a Netflix documentary made about it being yet another cult. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't allow it. Um, so it's fun. It's fun. I like, so this is kind of the second one in a row that I'm doing like this, uh, where, um, you know, while this is a story of the star, you know, the tarot card, the star, this is a story of like rebirth of faith after my, you know, long dark night of the soul that lasted pretty much my entire twenties after my initial awakening and diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Um, although this is a story of rebirth, it's also a story of reluctance or reticence, uh, I don't know what the right word is. It's a story of not 
of commitment. It's a story of commitment to not allowing the Creek Missions to become a true cult. Uh, we're just not going to do it. It's not the game we're playing. <laughs> Homie, don't play that. <laughs> uh, so I think I'm going to stop there. Uh, I think it's fun to balance these canonical Creek Masons pieces uh, with this little bit of introspection about like what guruship means and what it means to be a community that is reified. Uh, because so much of what the canonical Creek Masons pieces do is reify us further. They give us a concrete backstory. Um, so I guess the other half of this is just uh, a reassertion once again that despite however close we might come, uh, there is a necessity to remember that place that just wants everyone's maximum expression of their true self in this lifetime. <sighs> okay, here's today's essay. It's called I'm a Creep. <sighs> I'm a Creep. And I'm a weirdo. What the hell am I doing here? I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Ironically, I'm finding myself increasingly liminal to liminal trickster mysticism. Why? In short, the community I started now feels too badass for me to belong to it. I keep thinking about flywheels lately. There's a bunch of energy needed to get a flywheel started, but once you've cranked enough, it continues on its own. I barely even need to comment on the Creek Mason Discord for the discussion to spin on with love, enthusiasm, and energy. It would probably continue without my input at all. Cognitively, I recognize this as the good thing it is. Liminal trickster mystics self-sufficiently helping each other feel a little less alone. Still, my knee-jerk reaction is to feel like I'm no longer a part of the inner circle. We did run the experiment of the Creek Masons with no Jeffe, uh, with my recent back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back Dark Night of the Soul anniversary vacation and family emergency. I didn't put out an article here or a Nodes in the Net episode for a month, and the community continued to thrive. It was a beautiful place in that time, compassionate, tender, heartwarming, and inspirational, and nerve-wracking. Let me speak this into the field. I simultaneously don't want to be the star, the guru, the personality, the leader, and I'm also very scared that I will be abandoned if I don't shine so brilliantly that I'm every Creek Mason's favorite. I guess it's an all-or-nothing sort of binary thinking, isn't it? But that's the apparently inevitable nature of my anxiety. I'll be discarded if I don't yield bliss. The world will reject me unless I'm its messiah. But that's not belonging either. Across countless contexts, the same pattern plays out. I develop a yearning to belong that's eventually undercut by a persistent anxiety that rips me away from believing I can actually do so safely. Mostly, I just feel scared of rejection and read into stupid things and feel dragged away from unity with the collective by my fears. Historically, there have been few limits on what constitutes a collective I might attach 
to feeling alienated from, there's been myriad groups and cliques. I always want to belong and always end up hanging out on the porch smoking cigarettes while people inside party, listening to music and laughter, and yes, poisoning myself. The conversation there on the porch is better. I used to appreciate that. That's why I started smoking. But the connections are wispy and insubstantial. If you're like me, you'll never see any of those smokers again. It's not a community quite in the same way as the house partiers dancing inside while the music blares. Their bodies drawn together by rhythm touch the communion of shots and the very real need to be close to be heard. The tagalongs and significant others taking refuge outside from the electrical storms of camera flash selfies will later realize there's no evidence we were even at the party. Nothing to prove we were with who we were with. So, were we? I always thought it was just because I was a grumpy hipster, but did I resent having my picture taken as a young adult during the aughts because I didn't actually feel like I belonged with the other people in any given group shot or Facebook album? Both and? I remember reading a very autobiographical short story about this during a San Francisco State Writers Workshop. I remember one classmate pointed out I spelled apart wrong. I said something along the lines of, why do I always feel so apart from that crowd? And the writer, who I respected, he mocked me for the quote-unquote Freudian slip, suggesting sarcastically, I subconsciously believed I was a part of the crowd whose selfies I was scared to face. That classmate picked up on and took offense to a dilemma that I still haven't been able to reconcile. Did I think I was not good enough, or did I think I was too good for? Both and? Too good and not good enough for the popular kids I envied in high school. The writer friends I wanted to make in college. The parents at my kids' school I continue to fantasize about connecting with. The seeing kids, socialists, bar regulars, anarchists subreddit communities, podcast cults, magic practitioners, meditators, sanity project participants, members of the emergent commons, and now, just a little bit, the Greek masons. It turns out there's only a touch more resistance to this ejection in the group I started. It's enough resistance that I've actually picked up on the warning signs, recognized the pattern early. I always find myself simultaneously drawn to these collectives, infatuated, and pulled away, anxious. Or I push myself away intentionally, self-protectively, falsely superior, elitist. Even as a self-proclaimed hipster, that subculture of valorized elitism, I consciously attempted inoculating myself from belonging by actively declaring I was a hipster. Some of you will be old enough to remember that a precondition of being a true hipster was denying you were one. Nothing was more hipster than standing apart from hipsters and making fun of them. So I proudly proclaimed I belonged in the category, and at least according to my own mental gymnastics, the Catch-22 precluded my actual membership. I want a perfect body. I want a perfect soul. I can never really let myself believe I belong anywhere, even if that where is someplace abstract or metaphysical. It's not just with collectives of humans that I feel alienated. It's also with source, with truth. Ah, 
to experience apparent prophetic unity with perennial truth? Have you ever felt it? That deep Gnostic grokking of something that is beyond your rational mind, but just so true that you feel it with every molecule of soul that's incarnated as you? This is the ability to tap into what magic practitioners call the current, to understand and express things that are fundamentally true, always true, deeply true, beyond relativism, perspective, and appearance. I am sometimes in that current. I believe it inspired the meditation technique I call blissy. It's inspired insight into Aquarian ascension, current events, relational issues, work problems. It inspires me, at times to feel safe. It's like a mood of confidence, a mood of assurance, a felt experiential understanding of the true nature of things. But it always fades. And when it does, and I'm reflecting on it from the place that truth can't touch, it's obvious it is and always was pure delusion. It can't have been real. That was just mania. No one really likes you. The world is disintegrating and your work is shit. Then there's unity with source that I feel in times like these where I'm a little high and buzzy and I have temporary gnosis that all is consciousness, that all is in the all, that God is everything so by definition nothing can be outside of the divine. And yet, even that feeling of being an aspect of God always fades. The atheism sets in and brings with it a judgmental recrimination for my goofy belief that the universe could ever be purposive, meaningful, and profoundly interconnected with a metaphysical field of all-pervading conscious loving awareness. By the way, coming back later to edit the above sentence is cringy to me. Writing while in hypomania and editing an alienated depression makes for some difficult demons to face. Having my sense of belonging ripped away from me, whether it is with people, truth, or source, is identical. No, really identical with my bipolar cycles. This is my bipolar disorder, or seems to be. I'd be very curious to hear whether this whole phenomenon is related to people who don't process their entire experience through the lens of a diagnosis. It seems to me, truly, that the moods that drive this flirtation with belonging preceding being yanked away from it are the spiraling sine curve of mania and depression. Anxiety, paranoia, and a persecution complex are the tools of anthroposophical dweller on the threshold that kicks me out of belonging anywhere, in the collective, in knowing, with God. They're what my mania has always become when I linger in it or purposefully attempt to prolong it. The metaphor I always use is that hypomania, and therefore I'm realizing now also the moods belonging in that group, abiding in truth or connecting with source, is like milk. It can be nourishing, refreshing, soothing, but if you leave it out on the counter too long, it goes sour. Sour hypomania is anxiety. It's the same high energy and heightened awareness The physical sensations, when you direct mindfulness at them unflinchingly, are essentially identical. The only difference is that your mental context is just more pessimistic. It disrupts your whole narrative faculty. Soured belonging in a persecution complex, social anxiety, and not feeling enough. 
for me, the liminal in liminal trickster mystic doesn't mean centrist. It doesn't mean sitting on the fence or existing exclusively in an intangible purgatory. It means being drawn into things deeply and then feeling myself dragged out almost against my will, sometimes palpably against my will. But lately I've been lauding that as an immunity to becoming wrapped up in a cult. The fact that credulity gives me the ick prevents me from being overly radicalized and losing my entire sense of identity. That's what's on offer when joining a group. Dissolve into the community. Become a bee and abandon your you-ness. I take things to extremes. That self-proclaimed hipster in college was a proud loner, an elitist, and lately I've been dabbling in various culty message boards and chat rooms, a joiner, but I don't want to be either. I don't want to be utterly self-reliant American individual, nor a mystic merged with the universal us. I want to simultaneously exist as both Atman and Brahman. Somehow, I want to figure out what it feels like at once to know myself as a jewel in Indra's net and as the net in some. Maybe that's an essay for another time. What might it mean to reify the liminal? That's kind of what the Creek Masons are doing in our little liminal trickster mystic subculture. Can you really build in the liminal? When it comes down to it, is it a place of purgatory? Like me, do you instantly become liminal to whatever is instantiated? And what happens if I keep cutting the distance to belonging in half? Will I eventually approach infinity like a mathematical limit? That actually sounds kind of groovy. But what does it mean to build in the liminal? It sounds like what happens when you construct a bridge, but are the Creek Masons a bridge or a destination? Both and? I've sometimes compared my leadership to doulahood. I've compared my mission to being a water stand on the marathon course, increasingly one staffed by a whole group of people who are supporting each other and throwing a text-based rave. But I also want to complete the marathon. If I'm honest with myself, I want to see what it's like across the finish line sprayed by the celebratory champagne of messy but triumphant belonging. Completing the marathon looks like belonging to me. Belonging with people, with source, and with truth. Can I find that at the water stand? Can we belong together as a support entity, a coven of doulas, an organization of hermits? Or does the hermit, the mystic that swims in the waters the psychotic drowns in, necessarily have to be a loner? In his Meaning Crisis series, John Verveke posits shamans have traditionally inhabited a liminal zone. Again, this doesn't mean the middle. It means consensus reality and the transcendental are like the left and right feet of a person in walking meditation. Traveling into the transcendental with the help of plant medicine ritual and other forms of ecstasis, shamans brought back nuggets of insight that the rest of society uses to make pragmatic decisions that assist in survival. The mystic necessarily inhabits the outskirts of the community. He's a little too weird. He wanders through the desert or meditates in a cave. Maybe the mystic is even a little scary. <laughs> Maybe she's a swamp witch with wind chimes grafted from tiny bones, secluded but available for spell work, telling fortunes and reading palms. It's a solitary life, though, certainly. The insights they bring back from other worlds may help inspire the holy books of the community still locked in the societal matrix. They may inspire the very construction of matrices, but archetypally, the mystic doesn't even get to plug in once their ideas are accepted. So again, the question, can I belong 
anywhere. No, really. Help me figure this out. What does a community of liminal trickster mystics look like? Can you have one, or must we be lonesome hermits? The shift of civilization toward the online realm seems to have brought many more of us together than was ever possible previously, but now that we're here and our communities are solidifying, is anyone else familiar with this itch? This gradually deepening alienation? I'm a creep. What the hell am I doing here? Do I belong here?